What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James. Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. It is Easter week, and this coming Saturday will actually be the last day of our celebration of Lent for those of you who uh, have participated and want to complete the 40 days of fasting. I hope and pray that each of you have participated and feel like God has spoken and moved in you and through you during this process. Um, It's been a very special time for me and my family, and so I'm very grateful for the opportunity. But today we're beginning in Matthew chapter 20, so let's get started and see how far we get. We should be able to finish a couple passages today. Let's read verses 1 through 16 and talk about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So it says in verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked him, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning the last ones hired and going on to the first ones. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius, and when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Alright, so this parable is one that honestly, if I'm being completely honest and transparent, it doesn't necessarily sit well with me. It's one of those parables that I read, and it's very hard for me to uh, understand and realize why God may give some people who did not work as long or as hard as others the same as what He does to people who have devoted uh, most of their life, if not almost all their life, and worked very hard and served Him. But at the same time, you know, while it doesn't necessarily sit well and it bugs me a little bit, there's also the possibility that I may be one of the ones that will get the full day's wage, even when I don't necessarily deserve it while other people have. So God honors and blesses and rewards in ways that are far above our understanding um, so let's dig into this passage, just kind of see what it says and uh, how we can interpret this and apply it to our life. You must realize that in this parable, uh, again, this is a very Jewish-specific parable. Um, you know, we've been in Matthew for a while, but I just want to remind you, this gospel of Matthew was written specifically to Jewish people. Most of the people listening who would have received this had some sort of understanding of either owning land or being hired workers to go out and work the field. Um And the Jewish community was a very agricultural community, and this would have easily resonated with the audience Jesus is ministering to in this moment when Jesus is telling this parable. And the landowner obviously represents God in this story, so you got to be clear about that. The landowner is God. I mean, he's the one who decides what everyone gets paid. I mean, he's going to be the judge. He's going to divvy out punishment. He's going to divvy out rewards as he sees fit. So, 
So let's just take this into consideration. God goes out and finds workers in the market. Okay, the landowner is God, and the example would have been very a very common arrangement. Um, it's believed that these workers would gather in the marketplace with their tools around uh, the break of day, which would have been somewhere around 6 a.m. in their culture. They would have had their tools and, and wait for someone to hire them to work. And a denarius would have been the normal day's wage during the time. It would have been a common understanding. It would have been something they would have, again, resonated with. They would have understood this very easily. And this would be a normal and fair arrangement uh, that everyone would be satisfied with um, from the very beginning of the story. Now, things do start to get complicated when the owner continues to go out at various times throughout the day and continues to hire more and more workers uh, later on throughout the day. And this would also not be a foreign thing. This would actually be very common as well. Uh, people would have been picked up at various times in order to do work as uh, was needed. Now, it is very important to understand that the landowners <clears throat> have to get their harvest in on time. Uh, with darkness comes moisture. Uh, rain would ruin opportunities for profit. There are so many things that could happen to diminish the amount of return that a landowner would have on their fields and their crops. And so if any of you who are listening have ever worked on a farm at any point, you know that basically the work never ends. There's always something to do. And just like the landowner, uh, God has a job that will never end. Um, and he's always asking people to work. He's always needing more workers for the fields, for the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. There can never be enough workers, and this is why uh, he is so willing to go out and hire someone even in the midst of day. And this would have been very common. Even though someone would have only been hired at 5 p.m. Uh, and it would have only had an hour or two to work, that hour is still valuable to the landowner because he is responsible for the harvest and he wants to get as much done as he possibly can. Same concept with God being uh, the landowner. Uh, even if we only have but a few moments in our life to glorify God and live for Him, God is willing to, to call us and allow us to enter into His service because the harvest is so important and He wants to get in as many as He possibly can. Now then, uh, when it comes time to pay, things get really confusing. The owner pays the ones that he hired last first. And he pays them a denarius, which was a full normal day's wage. And this would have been a huge blessing to them as they were probably expecting far less, you know, a fraction of that because they were only working a few hours compared to the normal day's wage. So, as you can imagine, the ones that worked longer and the ones that worked all day are watching these short um short-time workers get paid a full day's wage, and they're probably licking their lips thinking about what they are going to get paid because surely the landowner is going to pay them more since he gave these people who only worked an hour a full denarius. Surely he's going to pay them much, much more because they worked all day. But when it comes time to receive payment, they only receive what they have been promised. And they immediately begin to complain with the landowner when they receive the amount that uh, he gives them. And this isn't fair. And we, we did all this work. We worked all day long. We were here during the hottest part of the day. We did the majority of the work. Why have you only paid us 
the same amount that you paid someone else who only worked for an hour. And this is the point where Jesus moves on to talk about the landowner and his response. And in all fairness, he did not cheat these men, and that's super important to understand. There was an agreed-upon price with the men who were hired first thing in the morning, and then he said, I will pay you whatever is fair to the men that he hired later on during the day. He gave everyone everything that he promised them. And as the landowner explains why he gave the same amount to everyone else, the only reason given to the men who were hired at the first of the day was that I want to do this. And that's important to understand that that God wants to give and reward people richly. He wants to give eternal life to everyone. And while we all may not work the same amount, nor give the same amount of time, this is a wonderful passage talking about the grace and mercy of God who wants to bless people even when they don't deserve it. And so this is kind of like the example of, since it's Easter time, we'll use the example of Jesus on the cross with the um, with the thieves. And, and the one thief that repents and says, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So even on the cross, this man only had but a few hours at most to receive Jesus and be considered eligible to enter into paradise with Christ. But because he acknowledged Jesus, he is able to enter in just as someone who gives their heart to Jesus as a young child and serves Jesus their whole life. Now, if you're like me, I like for things to be fair. I like for people to get what they deserve and what they pay for. It's kind of one of those things I was taught that at a very young age. It was instilled in our family. And uh, it's hard to look past what we would like to think or consider as fair. And this may take some time for you. It's taken a lot of time for me for this to settle in your heart and realize that it's all about God's grace and not about what we deserve. And I have to remind myself a lot, you know, it's like if we really think about what we deserve, we all deserve hell. Our sins cause us to deserve hell, and I have many sins in my life, Uh, many sins before I got saved, and I've sinned since I've been saved. And so if I was honest, I have to remind myself, I only deserve hell. And if we don't get that, it's simply... If we don't receive hell, it's simply because God has been gracious enough to forgive us and give us life. And I have to remind myself that, you know, while there may be people out there who aren't um, serving the Lord as I'm trying to serve the Lord and who have not lived for Him as long as I've lived for Him, there are going to be people that I share heaven with like Moses and Abraham and the disciples and, and people who... Really, and Paul, people who really live for God in ways that I will never be able to live for God in, and people who gave their lives and, and who died in the name of Jesus, and hopefully I won't ever have to do that. And so we will all share an eternity together when I have not worked as hard and given as much as they have. So it's all about grace and mercy. Um, God wants to give us life. God wants to reward every one of us in the same way. And that's all about grace and mercy. Uh, Just like the landowner, 
God is the one who owns us. He created us, and he has the right to give and to bless whoever, however he wants to. It's, it's up to his, his will of whatever he wants to do. He is capable of doing it because he is God, and we belong to him. So this is something that we have to accept as, as followers of Christ. And when we decide to serve Christ, we know that we're what we're doing this for. We know the rewards. Um, we, we know that it is personal. Um, and, and we know that when we begin to follow Christ, we're doing it for eternal life. We're doing it to have a relationship with God. And that's the main thing. As long as we get what we're signing up for, we shouldn't necessarily look at other people and worry about them and what they're getting so much. It's all about what we're getting out of the deal. And God has promised us all the same thing. So don't worry so much about someone getting more than you. Uh, you may, in fact, by God's grace, get far more than you deserve. In reality, we all will. I know that I will, uh, personally. I will get far more, uh, far better than what I deserve uh, in eternity. And so I'm very thankful for that. And this is also another great example of Jesus communicating to his disciples about how things in heaven will be different than they are on earth. I mean, the first will be last and the last will be first. He finishes that section with that verse. And the least will be the greatest and the greatest will be the least. And This is the way that God has designed this. And it's very important for us to remember that as Jesus followers, that there's going to be some things we don't necessarily understand, that we don't necessarily agree with. But that's why God's in charge, because we don't know all things. We don't understand people's hearts. We don't understand everything that's going on. And it really just is a lot better for us to let God be in charge and bless people and honor people how he wants to and divvy out the punishment the way he wants to. Okay? Well, let's read verses 17 through 19, and we'll finish up today. Now, this is Jesus predicting his death for the third time, and... Uh, this is uh, pretty important because we're coming up to Easter uh, this coming Sunday. And uh, so let's read this real quick and we'll talk about it some. It says, Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. All right. So this is, like I said, getting into Easter a little bit. And as Jesus and the disciples were headed into Jerusalem, this was no secret. All right. Most people were going to Jerusalem to partake in the Passover feast and to celebrate God leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. Now, the kicker is, is that Jesus tells them that he will be handed over to the chief priests and religious leaders. And he's also, once again, for the third time, announcing his death. And he's very specific about it as he explains that the Jewish leaders would hand him over to the Gentiles, which the Gentiles occupying Israel, Jerusalem during that time, would be the Romans. And he would be mocked, flogged, and crucified. Jesus lays it out for them very plainly. And once again, he reminds them that he will be raised to life on the third day. Jesus is not hiding anything. He's revealing God's plan in this moment. And it just seems that the disciples are totally oblivious to Jesus warning them of the things to come. And they have been in the entire, they've been oblivious to it so far. The, the previous two times that Jesus has said this and announced this, they've been oblivious. And they just don't comprehend what it is, what's about to come, no matter how many times Jesus warns them, how, how he says it, and the ways that he warns them. They just do not comprehend and get it. 
And to be fair, if you think about <clears throat> what these disciples witnessed, it would be so difficult for them to realize that anything could happen to the man that you watched heal the sick, raise the dead, bring sight to the blind, brought hearing to the deaf, calming storms, walking on water, feeding 10,000, feeding 20,000, feeding 30,000 people. Um, what an amazing thing to see and just be like, wow, like nothing could overcome this man. There's no way this man's going to die because he is so powerful. Who would ever think that someone with the power that Jesus had could ever be conquered and overcome? But it was coming, not because people had the power, but because Jesus was going to willingly give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. So as we close out today, I want to remind you of a passage as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went off by himself to pray for a bit, and then he came back to his disciples. And this is Matthew 26, verses 40 through 41. It says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And guys, as Easter approaches this Sunday, I want to remind you to keep watch and pray. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday morning. Everything about you is willing to serve the Lord. Every one of us who is trying our best, well, we want to serve God, but our bodies are weak, and we don't always do what we want to do. So we must keep watch. We must pray. We must be open to Jesus forewarning us of things to come, and I hope and pray that you guys are keeping watch and that you yourself are spending time in prayer so that you can be ready because we are willing, but at the same time, we are also weak. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for this opportunity we have to meet together and to have this Bible study online so we can listen to it at any time. Lord, I love you, and I just uh, thank you for the people who are listening. I pray, God, that you would be with them, watch over them, speak into their hearts and lives, and help them to keep watching pray. Because we're all willing, but at the same time, we're all weak. So God, fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us the power to overcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. If we can't see you on campus this Sunday for Easter Sunday, we hope to see you on Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great Easter week.